0: Well, good morning, everyone. There's a lot of things that have changed around here behind the scenes that you don't know about, and I think everything's working right now, isn't it, Seth? Yeah, we'll we'll hopefully keep it that way. That would be awesome if it continued to do that. If you're joining us online, thank you uh, for coming back with us this week. We know there were issues last week. Uh, They were beyond our control. We understand it was actually an internet issue with uh, not even our service provider, but actually the host of the live stream. And so there wasn't a thing on earth we could do about it. Um, That's why it it didn't work until later on in the the service. So we apologize for that, but thank you for sticking with us and being back this week. Um, As with technology, it is awesome when it works. And uh, Sometimes you just can't avoid it not working. So just, uh, just, just bear with that. Did anyone eat a donut this morning on their way in? Yes, a few of you. Okay, well, I did. I did as well. It was delicious. Um, it was. It was wonderful. We're so glad uh, for for being able to get those again. And uh, if you're one of those people that might be willing to come in just a little bit early and make some coffee about 9:30 or so, or uh, be willing to pick up the donuts for, for Rachel and her, her team, let them know. Just fill out that connect card right now. Hey, I could definitely come in at 9:30 and make some coffee or or pick up the donuts on the on the east side of town on my way in. That would be awesome. Um, and I know McKenna's not up here anymore, but yes, uh, kids are beginning to return, and we just pray that that continues, and not just return, but new families are able to begin to join us, and so as that happens, we definitely do need a few more volunteers downstairs, so if that could be you, fill out that Connect card right now. Hey, McKenna, yes, I would love uh, to join that schedule. It's not an every week commitment in any way, shape, or form. Right now, it's only once a month at most. If we get a couple more volunteers, it might be once every other month, so uh, we're just talking a few times a year, potentially, that we would need you downstairs, but man, we do need you. We absolutely do. It's so important. to to fill those spots, all right? Ah, Good morning. morning. It is, I I hope your year and your family's year, in spite of the things that are happening in the world around us, I hope that your year is off to a a pretty fair start at this point. I hope you've been able to kind of, at least in in your personal world, relax a little bit and enjoy uh, God's green earth. (laughs) It's weird, I was driving the other day and I was looking around, I was like, the grass is still green. I thought it changed colors this time here. are in Florida. What's going on? Um, we just don't have the warm weather. I don't know. It's, it's just weird. I just hope that it, it really is off to a, a good start for you and your family. I know I have really enjoyed these first few weeks together, together to worship and talk about worship and what it means and what it is. And so that today is no different. From the very start of this series, we asked you to pray before you came or pray before you clicked that link online. Two very specific things. Pray that God will give you a hunger for his presence here today. Did you come anticipating this morning that that you would have an encounter, that you would be brought into the presence of God through your worship? Did you join us in prayer this morning asking for God to reveal his presence to you today? Do you desire that encounter with God? Are we united together in worship of our God together? And I don't just mean in our voices. It can go far, far beyond just our voices. Have you placed your very life on the throne, on the altar as a living sacrifice to your God? If you have not, if this morning was busy or crazy or you just woke up like, oh wait, church is starting, I got to hit the button, um, then let's just pause for a moment, shall we? And let's pray that we can experience those things this morning together. Father God, as we are drawn into your presence, Father, you ask that we come, and here we are. Father, may we open our minds and our hearts and our souls to your presence this morning. Will you please reveal yourself to us, whether through your word, through prayer, through song, whatever the encouraging words of a brother or sister in Christ here this morning, would you just open us up to that possibility and help us remember every time we gather to be praying specifically for these things so that we are prepared when we come into your presence. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. There's so many, so many things going on right now, but the reality is this. Of all those things you're doing and want to do and have on your to-do list, remember this. God created you to worship Him. He absolutely created you to worship Him. And last week, I shared with you the words of John Piper. He's a pastor and author, but really they're just echoing words From Scripture. Worship is what we are created for. This is the final existence of all people, all life, everything will ultimately be worshiping God. God created this universe so that it would display his worth, his glory, and we were created so that we would recognize that. We would see his glory, we would see his value, and then we would reflect it, and we would know it, and we would love it with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our mind, and with all of our strength. That is what we are asked to do. And when we have this desire to have an encounter with God, then it transforms what we're doing right now. It transforms worship from just the something that we go to to something that actually is a form of devotion to Him. From a ritual to an actual relationship, from just another meeting that we think we need to go to, to an actual holy gathering in his presence. And yes, there is a very big difference. Worship reminds me of our need for God. Worship authenticates. It it confirms our faith. Worship confronts our desire to conform, and it absolutely transforms our view of the reality that exists all Around us in this world. And those are great things and those are all wonderful things for us. But why? Why do we worship? What is your motivation to worship God? There's a really old motivational technique that's described by an old wise tale, an old story. It's the story of the carrot and the stick. Some of you might have heard that old little wise tale before. It's a motivational approach that involves offering a reward for what you would want someone to do, a good behavior, if you will, and a negative consequence for bad behavior. I'm sure none of us parents have ever used such things, and I'm sure none of us have ever experienced such things as a result of our parents or other forms of discipline in our lives, right? This type of motivation is based on some basic principles of reinforcement. These were discovered back in the early 1800s during the Industrial Revolution by an English philosopher named Jeremy Betham. And he compared it this way. It's derived from the old story of the donkey, who was motivated by the carrot dangling out in front of him. I think there's even a picture of such a thing that I sent him. Or, of course, if the donkey didn't do as he wanted, then the stick prod in the back. Some people are carrot people, are we not? And some people are stick people. That's the only way they seem to be able to learn. (laughs) Among Christians, the carrot people are those people that attend prosperity churches, where they go and prosperity is promised to those that, of course, have the appropriate amount of faith or good works or oftentimes money. Interesting how that works. The stick people, well, they go to legalistic churches, right? People that have punishment is threatened when, of course, you don't have the right level of obedience to the Word of God, Well, there's a problem in our faith because neither is really the approach that God, of course, uses. Uh, God threw away the carrot and and the stick because God's love is unconditional. In essence, it means that literally he has put down the stick and he put away the carrot. God's love is unconditional. It is not a bribe. God's love is unconditional. It is not a threat. Neither the carrot nor the stick can produce unconditional love. Love, and that's what he seeks from us as well. Both motivations are based on fear and reward. So they're only able to produce fear and insecurity, not knowing whether or not you're going to get that reward. And you see that in a lot of other faiths on this planet. When we learn, when we accept, when we understand and perceive God's unconditional love, all fear in our relationship with God is gone that person becomes free of the carrot and the stick. Instead of being controlled by fear, we are now free to love our God. Why? Because we want to. Because of what He did for us. Not any longer because we're afraid not to love Him. Only God's unconditional love can transform a human heart so that love is the only motivation that we need. Some of you might know the words of John the Apostle. Such love has no fear because perfect love casts out fear. This shows that when we haven't fully experienced that love, His perfect love, then that's why we still have this fear. So why? Why do you worship is the question today. Do you simply worship because you deeply love God? Or be honest. Do you worship with a little bit of fear that if I don't worship, then maybe I'm not in a right relationship with God? A fear of punishment for not worshiping. Do you worship in hopes that maybe you'll get something in return from God as a result of your worship? How about this one? Have you ever wondered if your worship is good enough? For God? Have you ever found yourself thinking that? Be honest. Might be the first time you've ever considered some of these thoughts and ideas before. Have you ever had those feelings? Because if you are, or if you have, then you're viewing worship in the wrong way, because worship is not for us. Worship is not about us in any way. Worship is not simply an experience, it's a realization that I am in the presence of the Almighty God. If my worship isn't good enough, then it's probably because I'm viewing my worship as a performance before my God. If my worship isn't good enough, then it might just be because I've placed a barrier between me and God and my worship can't quite seem to overcome that barrier that I have put there. If my worship isn't good enough, then it might just be that I'm actually the one refusing to accept God's unconditional love, that He forgives me, that He loves me, that He will continue to forgive me no matter what, and that He longs to meet with me in these moments. Last week, we shared a story from the book of Isaiah, chapter 6. We found him Isaiah found himself there before the throne of God. What I didn't share with you was the context. Of that passage. Isaiah chapter 6 opens with these very simple words. It says, In the year that King Uzziah died, might not sound like much to you or me, but to Isaiah, this was a very big deal. And to the nation of Israel, this was an even bigger deal. Uzziah was a good king, one of the very few good kings that ever existed in the history of the kingdom. And Uzziah had been king since he was 16. He was king for 52 years. He was king basically all of Isaiah's known life. And now that king, has passed away. He had done so much good for God and for all of Israel, but at the very end of his life, he had a little issue with pride. And that issue with pride caused him to have a, a, difficult, a, a difficulty with God. He literally sinned against God in the moment, and then he was cursed with leprosy, and he died a lonely leper king. And it's into this reality that God calls Isaiah into his presence. Not exactly an exciting moment to go and fall down before your king and worship if you're Isaiah. And it was in that moment that Isaiah realized that he was in the presence of God and he also realized how unworthy he was to be there. And like Isaiah, you and I, we are not worthy to be in the presence of God. We are not good enough. We never will be good enough. Yet God welcomes us in, it's a miracle. He invites us in, He even expects us. If we're in his name, if we claim his son to be here in his presence. And so here's the reality. Whatever you bring before God, whatever it is, if you come in with the right heart this morning, if you came in hungry for God, hungry to be in his presence, a desire to be there, if you came in longing to see God face to face, then whatever you do in worship will be good enough for God because it's exactly what he desires of you. But you've got to come in. With that attitude. It's a crazy thing. Have you ever felt like you had nothing to bring God? Nothing good enough to offer God? Have you ever struggled to worship because of things going on around you in your life? There's a lot of people that don't join us in worship on Sunday morning because of things that are happening in their life and it prevents them from coming in. Maybe, maybe, just maybe. You're overwhelmed by the presence of God, and you, you just can't seem to find a way to worship him that's good enough, that's worthy of God. Well, there's another prophet that struggled with the same issue, the exact same issue. It was a prophet by the name of Micah. Now, the passage we're going to use today is worldwide famous. Many, 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 if not all of you have heard this passage before, but I would bet most of you did not know that this passage is actually dealing specifically with worship. Because that's what Micah is asking God. That's where he finds himself. It's in Micah chapter 6. God is in the process of reminding all of Israel that he has been faithful. They're questioning that. That he has delivered them time and time and time again. And as the prophet Begins to consider God's faithfulness. He is met with a reality. He's overcome by the beauty and the majesty of God. And he asks the question, how can I, just a man, how can I faithfully worship a perfect and holy God? What on earth could I bring to God, my king, my savior, my great deliverer? What can I bring him that's of any worth, of any value at all? And so we begin in verse 6, Micah's words. With what shall I come before the Lord and bow down before the exalted God? Do I have anything? He's looking in his inventory. Do I have anything at all that I could bring to God? Anything to offer him that would be worthy of his name? Verse 6 continues. Shall I come before him with a burnt offering? with calves a year old. In other words, he's asking, hey, God, are the standard practices, you know, the, the stuff we're supposed to do, God, is that good enough? Is that good enough? God, do I just need to sing some songs to you? Is that, is that good enough? Is that enough worship for you? Do, do I get down on my knees? Do I raise my hands? Do I make a special offering or, or sacrifice? He continues, will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams, with 10,000 rivers of olive oil? Shall I offer my firstborn for my transgression, the fruit of my body, for the sin of my soul? Micah is questioning deeply, how do I come before God? I'm so unworthy. What do I need to give? What do I need to give? What must I sacrifice? What does God require of me? Is it my stuff? Is it my kids? Is it my wife? Is it my life? What, if anything, would be good enough for God? This is where God intervenes, and he answers the question. The prophet speaks to his need and to mine, and hopefully to yours. And this is where the famous verse comes in. He, God, he, God, has shown us mortals what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? Well, some of you know this verse, to act justly. We'll pause there. God requires us, his followers, to live a life of justice treating others with fairness. Now, we're not talking about social justice. That's different. You see, where society determines what's right and what's wrong, where the current, current prevailing opinions determine what equality is amongst people, that is not what we're talking about. We are referring to God's absolute justice, His absolute truth. And justice, his laws that he has established forevermore. This is how we determine what it means to act justly, to live a life where others can come to know God, the God that we serve through our actions, through how we treat other people, how we interact with people that are hurting, people that are being treated unfairly, people who are in desperate need. You see, this is another way of worship. But there's a second part. To act justly and to love mercy. God has shown us such incredible mercy. Amen? Does anyone agree with that in life? Our very breath is a testimony to the mercies of God, which are renewed day after day, moment by moment. What if what if we as believers loved mercy to such an extent that our instinct, our first reaction when interacting with other people was to show them the same mercy that our God has shown us? What if we love mercy in such a way that our lives were shaped and defined by an attitude of forgiveness for all who hurt us, not just for those that are closest? You see, this is an act of worship before our God. We are putting the love of Jesus on display in our lives for everyone to see in our actions because they will be so radically different than the actions of everyone else around us. Our actions will draw people into the presence of Jesus. And finally, to act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with our God. What if you and I agreed with God on something? Something very simple. The depths of our wickedness and sin, how bad our sin really is. Will you and I admit that before God? Will we bow down before him and say, God, I am a mess up. I know that. And I know the only way I can make it through this life is with your help. No matter what our sin is, whether we think it's grand or we think it's insignificant, can we agree to come before God and say, God, I am a sinner. Well we confess that without the grace of God, we have no chance, without the sacrifice of Jesus Christ and the resurrection the same, we have no chance to ever be with our God. What if What if we began, if we begin to understand the depths of His love for us, the completeness of His salvation, It fully saves us us there's nothing that we can do honestly and they, understand, they begin to understand that his deliverance of us has nothing at all to do with us <laughs> and everything to do with him each of these areas are based on his person on his character on his love on his mercy on his sacrifice on his grace he has done it all and all we must do is simply trust in him Trust in His way, in His truth, in His life. Sound familiar? In His plan, in His power, in His purpose for each of us. In these moments, when we can begin to do that, worship becomes so much more than the actions of a religious person. Because now we can connect with God and his justice now becomes our actions. His mercy becomes my love for other people. And my steps seek to follow him to the point that my life begins to decrease and that this life that I live becomes his to do with whatever he pleases so that it is no longer me living, but it is, of course, Christ living in me. A big difference. You see, that is the kind of worship that our God desires, that He deserves, and that is the kind of worship that I want to offer Him. Do you? Do you? Is this why we worship? Is this how we worship? When our worship is shaped by God's word, then we begin to understand that praise of our God is an essential part of our relationship with Him, it is not an optional thing. This has all kinds of implications for each of us in our individual lives. In worship, we discover that there's an order. There's a design, an order for our lives that we oftentimes do ignore, and it puts us at risk because when our lives get filled with clutter and overcome with chaos and overwhelmed in our schedules, then we need to reorient ourselves toward God who grants us our days to plan. We're the ones that mess them up. He gives them to us as a gift, and we overschedule them, and we overrun them, and we do all of those things, God wants us to have times of rest. He wants us to have times of renewal, and He really wants us to have times that we specifically set aside to worship Him. And when our hearts and our minds and our spirits are oriented on God, you know, we're not so critical of other people anymore because we realize our own faults. We're not so weighed down by the everyday pressures of life. Anymore. We can find those things in many others when we find ourselves in the presence of God worshiping Him. In the New Testament, our our primary example, if you will, of worship really is found in Revelation. It kind of takes the formula of worship found all through Scripture and it kind of sums things up. Just a little bit. Now, a lot of people misunderstand Revelation. Eventually, we'll do a study on Revelation because it's really not that hard to understand because when you understand there's some things in it that we're not meant to understand, then you can look right through it and you can pick out the things that God really wants you to know and that you need to know in this life. And they're essential and they're important. So there's no reason to avoid it. When you realize that this is the story of John, John who's on the island of Patmos and he's caught up in the Lord's day, to be in the presence of God, Revelation 1.10. There, John, he's giving insight in the midst of great, great suffering in his personal life. And there's some familiarity between Old Testament and New Testament. Psalm 23 and Revelation 7.17 might actually be the same verse if you really look at them. Psalm 23, most of us know of part of that passage at least. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul, Revelation seven seventeen just defines the he and the where and the what. The lamb at the center of the throne, he's going to be their shepherd. He's leading them. Where's he leading them? Besides still waters, springs of water of life. And what's he doing? Well, God will wipe every tear from their eyes. He restores our soul. It's the same thing. When we find ourselves in the presence of God and we worship, he will lead us to a peaceful place, he will restore us, not just on Sunday mornings, but daily when we worship him. Now, John, John has had his full life now. He's been absorbed by the, he's read the scriptures, he's studied the scriptures, he's spent time with Jesus, obviously. And he realizes that he sees the glory of God in these moments, this moment of revelation. This can happen as you read the Psalms as well. The Psalms were meant to teach us that a life of praise can occur no matter what. The Psalms can be kind of seen as like a roadmap, a guide through life, because the Psalms, the authors of the Psalms pass through illness. Absolutely. They pass through a complete devastation, loss of possessions. They pass through physical danger. They pass through depression, isolation, fear, grief, anger. And yes, even in the Psalms, you can find times of joy, happiness, wonderful things happening in the author's we need guides. We need ways to navigate all of those things. At the conclusion of Psalms, there's a bit of a doxology, some might say, an ending, a closing. And Psalm 150 kind of sums it all up. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Why else do we worship? We worship because of our past. When you and I realize who we are in the presence of our God, and maybe you begin to come to grips with who you were compared to who you are, or maybe you're just now learning to experience Jesus and you're coming to grips in this moment with who you are, then maybe the words of Paul are a good reminder, Ephesians 2, 1, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live, used to live, that's a past tense, when you follow the ways of this world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us, all of us, all of us, remind yourself, all of us used to live that way at one point in time, gratifying the cravings of our sinful nature and following its desires and thoughts. We were dead in our sins. There was nothing you or I could do about it. We were objects of God's wrath, and if we had remained apart from Christ, then we would be an object of God's wrath for all eternity. But now we are alive in him, praise God. Ephesians 2, 4 through 6, uh, I, would, I, I, I debate on whether would you am to tell this. You know what, I'm just going to? I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a junior and senior high pastor for a long, long time, and so sometimes you had to say things to get people's attention, right? And so when you read these things in Ephesians chapter 2 and you read it all together, then right in the middle in verse 4, there's a big but. And when you say that in front of a junior high boy, they laugh. See? <laughs> yeah. Case in point. I did not test this, just so you know. Sorry if you didn't hear that online. That was Corey laughing. But... Because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive in Christ. That's great that he did that, but that's not all the story, you see, because he made us alive in Christ. When? When we were still dead in our transgressions. We weren't good enough. We weren't ever going to be good enough. We couldn't ever be good enough. And God said, you know what? I'm going to go ahead and take care of this for you anyway. It's a huge difference. We could not earn it. We receive grace and mercy that we not only don't deserve, but quite honestly, we have completely earned punishment and death. And when you come to grips with that amazing truth, how could you not worship God? Look at what he has done for us. How can we not worship him? That's the question we'll continue asking. I began this morning with these words, but I've added to them now. Worship reminds us of our need for God. You see, I come to worship because I need God. When I don't worship, I am spitting in God's face and saying, God, I don't need you today. That's the truth. Love it or hate it, that is the truth. That's what we're confessing to God when we refuse to worship him. God, I need you. Worship authenticates our faith. I come to worship because I believe in God. And I believe because I believe I am going to worship him with all that I I come to worship, I desire to worship because worship confronts my desire as a human being to conform to this world around us. I come to worship to confess that I don't care what this world says. I want Jesus. And that's a bold statement in the world in which we live. I come to worship because worship transforms my view of reality. I have seen the King. And he is real, and he is alive. And then when I look around at this world around me, instead of just seeing death and dying, I see people created in God's image, and I see people who need Christ's love is what I see. And I see things from his perspective, and I see how things could change for the better. I don't get lost in the loss of hope of this world. I have my hope in Christ. It is not in this world. It is strictly in him and the change that he can make in the lives of others. As we gather to worship each and every Sunday, whether online or in person, we know there are people at all different phases of their relationship with Christ. There are people who have come to worship this morning kind of innocently, really don't know why they're here. Maybe they're here because they have to be. Maybe they're here because they accidentally clicked on a link. Who knows what the, what the reason is? But they have now encountered God, and they have an opportunity to respond, and we always want to offer that opportunity to respond, even though we know a lot of folks in our midst already have. The Spirit can move at any time and anyone, and we want them to feel welcome to come and confess their life before Jesus, to ask for forgiveness, and to be joined with him through baptism for all eternity, absolutely. We know we have people that are a little less mature in their faith, not quite as seasoned maybe in their faith, and they have questions. They ask things like, God, is my worship good enough? And we pray that the Spirit has revealed to them that, yes, it can be, it is, absolutely, if you come with the right heart, with the right mind, with the right spirit. And Father, we know there are people that are struggling here this morning in life. They know they love you. There's no doubt about that. But there are things happening in their life. And we always want to encourage people to stop trying to deal with those on your own. There's a body of believers here that would love to pray over you, to pray with you, to come alongside you and help you through life's struggles. Many times, the funniest thing happens when you are willing to say, God, okay, I will do this. I will let someone pray for me. The funniest thing happens, the person that ends up praying for you had the exact same life struggle. They might be on the other side of it. They might not. They might still be struggling, (laughs) but they've had that experience. Don't try to go it alone. Let's be a body of believers that cares for one another and rejoices with those that rejoice, but we still mourn with those who mourn, and we help each other through this life that God has given us. Father God, as we close this part of the service as we continue to consider what it means to worship, what it looks like to worship, Father, what you want us to do when we worship, how to worship, why we worship, who we worship. Father, let us always, always, always point everything back to you. And Father, if we're ever confused, if there's ever misunderstanding, let us open your word. Father, speak to us through the Psalms, speak to us through whatever means necessary to understand why it is that we do what we do, Father, how I as an individual need to do better. Father, not because my performance needs to improve, but because my heart needs to be more open. My heart needs to be more receptive to you. I need to have that hunger, that desire, the longing to be in your presence each and every day. And when I get to the point where that is how I live life, things will change. Father, as this new year continues on, May we be a body of Christ that welcomes in those that are searching. Father, those that are longing for your presence, those that have never experienced your presence, those that, that don't know the first thing about your Son, Father, may we have the pleasure and honor to share your Son with them. Be with us, Father, as we worship. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.